Hello and welcome to episode 125. This is Ben Olson in Washington, D.C. with Nathan Fox. How's it going, Nathan? Uh, couldn't be better. Yeah, it's lovely here. What, uh, L.A.? I'm in Los Angeles. It's uh, It was 82 degrees <laughs> yesterday. Um, yeah, it really is paradise. When it's nice, it's really nice. And it's nice all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, this morning, uh, it was 20 here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I spent my four years in Boston, and I'm never going back to the uh, frozen tundra. I can't do it. Yeah, there's not a lot of advantages, especially <laughs> here, because you don't even get like snow. So you don't have any of the benefits of cold weather. You just have the cold weather, Yeah, which sucks. Hey, so uh, I don't know. A couple of days ago, I think I saw something in the news about um, uh, MoviePass yeah. and some some controversy, but I didn't really read it. Is there anything going on there that we should know about? I don't think so. They they dropped a bunch of they dropped like ten movie theaters, but there are thousands on on the movie pass. So yeah. of the like fifty theater, not fifty of the twenty five theaters that I can go to in L.A., mm-hmm. one of them dropped off the list, hmm. and the one that dropped off the list was an AMC in uh, Century City. Which I don't even like to go to that movie theater anyway. It's this big AMC, uh, you know, like mall slash multiplex. Yeah. And I would prefer not to go to those theaters anyway. MoviePass is going to have some tough negotiations with uh, with the big guys. AMC is saying, we're not going to discount the price of our tickets for you. And we're also not going to share the concession revenues with you. And MoviePass is like, okay, fine. We, will, we won't include you on the MoviePass anymore. And as a MoviePass subscriber, I'm like, I'm never going to that theater again because I'm only yeah. going to go to MoviePass theaters because there's so many of them. Why would I go anywhere else? And yeah. I, I got to say, I mean, the business model, I'm not sure. I, I was like, I wanted to invest in them, you know, because I love yeah. the product so much. I wanted to invest in them. And I did some research and it kind of looks like the CEO might be slightly shady. And I, I was like a little uncertain <laughs> about the way the, it, so as an investment, it didn't seem like a very, like my type of thing. Um, yeah. But I do, I think they have all of, I think they are going to be holding all of the cards They're They've, they're going to have just these millions of subscribers who are going to millions of movies and, you know, when I go, I do end up like buying popcorn and my Diet Coke or whatever. I end up buying, I end up bringing a friend who buys, who pays full price for, for a ticket. Yeah. Um, and if movie, if, if your theater is not on movie pass, we're going somewhere else. That's just all there is to it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, and not to mention movie tickets are already outrageously priced. I mean, it's just so expensive. It doesn't make any sense that it's $17 sometimes <laughs> for a movie yeah. ticket. And yeah. the popcorn is ridiculously overpriced and the soda is ridiculously overpriced. And they, they just, you know, if, if movie pass is going to have people flocking to the theaters, which I have been, you know, I've seen a dozen movies in the last month. I never would have done that before because of the cost. So yeah. now all of a sudden I'm in the theater and I'm spending money and I'm bringing friends. I, I just don't see how they're not going to be able to, to get some of that money back. You know, it just, it seems, seems like the theaters are going to have no choice, but to share the revenue with movie pass. 
Yeah. Also, if MoviePass wanted to charge me 20 a month instead of 10 a month, I would be like, yep, no brainer. Yeah, hands down. It's still only like, what, a few dollars more than one ticket. Right, right. And and it's got me going to the movies all the time, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And it's a big, yeah, it's a big win. I'm I'm really happy with it so far. Cool. Yeah, I saw Phantom Thread. I didn't like Phantom Thread, really. I was, this is, people are going to hate me for this, but Daniel Day-Lewis is like an, a national treasure and whatnot. But sure. that movie is so long, and the characters are really not likable, and it just was basically... I think if I hadn't seen so many other great movies over the past month, I would have liked it. But I've seen so many just better movies. And um, yeah, don't don't waste your time on Phantom Thread. There's lots of other better stuff out there you can see. Huh. So yeah, it got some good reviews, it looks like. 91%. Well, everyone loves Daniel Day-Lewis. And uh, it's just like, this is a movie that I think critics have to like because it's it's sort of like on, <laughs> it's on the in, you know, it's in the in group. Yeah. Um, but I, there's so much more, I, for me, there's much more fun and interesting movies out there. It was very slow. It was like a Victorian drama. And it was just, it was like over two hours and yeah. a just super unlikable characters. I mean, it, it, Daniel Day-Lewis just plays like this biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Don't see that. Go Go see something else instead. There's really fun movies out go see those cool um so we have some interesting stuff on the agenda uh the biggest thing is that lsac has surprised everyone by offering a july test this year i know uh which is kind of interesting because so many people are shooting to take the june test obviously and then you have the september test um, and now you can take it in July, uh, which just gives people more chances to take the test and do better. So seems like a good thing, but I, I wonder how people will, um, prep for it. You know, I, I suspect most people will prepare for the June test and then just heck take it again in July. Yeah. Get, why not yeah. try again? I hadn't even made my, cause I'm lazy. I hadn't even made my class schedule yet for the spring yeah. and summer. And so it did give me some more options. Like I, I now don't really have to focus my classes on any one particular test that much anymore. You know, it's like, it's Mm -hmm. as they, as they add more dates and have them sort of throughout the year a little bit more, uh, it, it's, it is, it's, it's going to make it a lot more civilized for students to just be able to prep when they're ready, when they have time, Mm -hmm. that's when you can prep Mm -hmm. and then you can just take the test sign up for multiple dates or, or at least have multiple dates blocked out on your calendar. Yeah. So if you're hearing my voice right now, uh, well, if you're not listening to me in the back catalog, <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, when it's released, you should probably have the June, July and September dates all blocked off on your calendar. Yeah. Maybe even November as well, just to give yourself, you know, not that you're going to take it four times necessarily, but so that you don't have to have any stress when you do take it because you've got lots of backup dates. Yeah. So let well, me just give those dates as a PSA, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, Ben. No, please. Uh, so it's Monday, June 11th. That's going to be a 12.30 p.m. test, like always. The Monday, the June test is always a Monday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, the new test is uh, Monday, July 23rd. 
So it is another Monday test. I actually am just assuming that it's an afternoon test as well. Is that right, Ben? I don't know. Okay, actually. let's just say question. that. I, whatever the <laughs> listeners, you'll you'll get the start time when you register for it. But um, it's going to be Monday, July twenty third, and those are spread out. Those are pretty good spread out, right? Those are like six weeks apart: June eleventh, yeah. and then mm-hmm. July twenty third. Your next mm-hmm. opportunity is uh, Saturday. September 8th. So again, so that's like another, yeah, like six weeks. Is that right? Yeah. Late July, early September. So six or seven weeks, I guess Mm -hmm. for Saturday, July or Saturday, September 8th. And then two months later, it's uh, Saturday, November 17th. And those are the remaining options for, the LSAT in 2018. So uh, the November test doesn't really give you a chance to apply early. We want to apply by Halloween if we're applying early. So the September 8th is your last chance at it. But that means everybody right now has three chances still, mm-hmm. which is great. That's that's nothing but great news for test takers. You agree? Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. Cool. So good job, Elsac. That was awesome. That was a very nice surprise to get. The uh, other thing that's in the works is the digital LSAT, but it sounds like that might be put off until 2019. I don't know why it takes them so long. They but. keep teasing that there's going to be announcements and news and stuff, but yeah, they're, they're expecting to give more news later this year about the, the digital distribution platform. But the way they're doing yeah. it with the tablets, I don't, I don't know how that's going to really facilitate more times per year. No, because they're going to be dragging those tablets across the country, (laughs) across the world. (laughs) They are. They're going to have big warehouses full of tablets. (laughs) They, they just, if you're going to make the jump into the digital realm, you might as well jump into the infrastructure that's already set up, right? All these test centers around the country. I know. It's so funny. I just, I, I just imagine them getting sold by some company. You know, it had to be, uh, don't you think? Yeah, Samsung. Yeah, Samsung came in. Well, it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Samsung. It was like, but it was a, uh, it was a, a software provider. It was like a, a company sure. that makes tests, you know, and they came in and they sold LSAC on this whole big system. <laughs> and I know that all your problems will be solved. <laughs> there have to be people, you know, and someone I could just imagine some executive with no technological savvy at all. And just like sitting there listening to this presentation, stroking their chin thoughtfully, like, yeah, this is going to be great. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's like all these testing centers that are just spread across the country with all the technology necessary to just offer the test right there anytime. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was the perfect solution or proposal for, you know, scared Luddites. Yeah, they're like. Oh, we need to maintain control of the integrity of the test. Well, probably. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to interrupt your mocking with another separate mocking. But um, go ahead. Well, I I imagine they don't want to give a cut to these testing centers as well. Yeah. Right. They want to control. It's hard to let go of a monopoly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, they don't. The testing centers are going to be like, wow, you're charging 180 bucks for this thing. Okay, like we need a taste of that. If they're going to be taking it at our place on our computers, 
Um, so maybe LSAC just decided they wanted to control the whole thing. But I was just curious, actually, how much does it cost to register for the, like, say, the GRE? Uh, I have no idea. I don't remember. Like, is 180? I don't know. I would expect that to be kind of the norm, but I really have no idea. No, I don't remember either. I've taken all of them a million years ago, but I have no idea. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, so July test. Yeah, that's coming. That's excellent. Block all those dates off on your calendar, people. I got I got an email just this morning. Right now, before we started recording, I got an email from a student who wants to retake the LSAT and um, is and he's like, so I think I'm going to register for the the September or the November test. Hmm. And I'm like, dude, it's January. Yeah. What are you looking at the September slash November test for? All you're going to do is get yourself into the late. (laughs) People are like purposely, I don't know. That's like shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. I think it's comes from a fear of failure, right? They want to be so prepared that when they take it officially, they feel confident that they will do their best. Yeah. But the reality is that to do your best you have to try and fail. And that means on the actual test day as well sometimes, right? I, obviously, you want to be as prepared as you can be and don't be an idiot and just sign up for the test two weeks from now or something like that. But three three months? I mean, even at this point, what, five months? That's more than enough to get a lot of progress yeah, under your belt. That's more than enough for most people. That Most people aren't going to reasonably study longer than that like actually be studying the whole time. Yeah. So might as well just get it done with, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there are those people who do the superhuman effort and they study for two years and they really make crazy amount of progress that you didn't anticipate they were going to make, mm-hmm. but those are few and far between. Right. I mean, I can, yeah. I can, I'm like picturing people that I remember that I know did that, but there's, that's pretty rare. Most people are, if you did give it an hour a day for three months, that's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of fear of failure, let me uh, let me run this by you. Former student yeah. of mine studies takes my class. I really enjoyed having him in class. He was a he was a really fun, nice guy. Um, wasn't performing too well on the LSAT. I think he ended up with like a one fifty or maybe slightly north of that. That's a number that you know we've talked about this a lot. That if you got like a one fifty one on record, I cringe a little bit about whether that's a number you should be applying to law school with. Yeah. Um, But anyway, he did it and he went to Golden Gate on a partial scholarship. He lost his partial scholarship because of poor grades in his first semester. Then he got kicked out of school for poor grades at the end of his first year. Yikes. I asked him what happened and he said he had had a, so he's actually, I just heard from him because he's coming back to me three years later Mm -hmm. and he's interested in the LSAT again. And I asked him what happened with the poor grades. Like, dude, how did you possibly get kicked out of law school? And he said that he had a very bad breakup with a long-term girlfriend and he was Mm -hmm. going through a lot of, you know, going through a hard time. And, and so he got, Got shitty grades and um, 
got kicked out of school. The the retake or the readmission policy at Golden Gate apparently is that they they want you to retake the LSAT. Okay. I don't know if that's just to demonstrate your seriousness or or something or to see if maybe you've got a if you've figured out how to get a higher score now then maybe they they want you back. I I don't know exactly what they're thinking when they ask people to retake the LSAT. Yeah. But he's thinking about retaking my class, re-studying for the LSAT, reapplying to law school. And he's asking me what what I think about all that. I know what I told him. What do you what do you tell him? My question would just be is law really your thing? I mean, he's coming back for more, I guess, but it I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right path. Seems like he's obsessed with law for the wrong reasons or something. Yeah. Yeah, I told him just whatever you do, don't pay for law school. Yeah. I mean, if if you can go for free, like for literally zero, if you can go on a full ride, and then I would only stay in law school as long as I was able to maintain that full ride. The second I lost the full ride, I would be dropping out. Yeah. It's like, it's already not the right choice for many, many people, especially people who max out on the LSAT at like 151. Yeah. But if you, I mean, for him, he already demonstrated difficulties in law school. Now, of course, he was going through some personal problems at the time, which, you know, we can't just totally write that off. But it also is a data point of him failing out of law school. Yeah. And we can't write that off either. Yeah. So that's what I told him is just like, do not pay a dime for law school. Yeah. Which is the advice I tell everybody anyway. So perfect. You're consistent. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So let's see. Do we have any other news to announce? I mean, our YouTube channel is up and running. That's uh, youtube.com slash thinking LSAT. There's also a link to it on thinkinglsat.com. I guess for anybody who's not using the Apple podcast app, if you're an Android person and you use Stitcher, uh, it would be really great if you could add us on Stitcher, subscribe, and uh, rate and review us on Stitcher so that we can get some reach there. Yeah. Well, let's see. Do we have any reviews on Stitcher? I don't know that we have any. Um. So they're not listening to us. Our listeners are not actually taking our advice, our our earnest request for help. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. That hurts Um, my feelings. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is interesting. We are, I've never even heard of these other things that we're in apparently now. So of course we're in iTunes, Stitcher, as you just mentioned, Google Play. I've obviously heard of that. Um, Acast. I haven't heard of that. Nope. No clue. Pocket Cast. Nope. Um, Blueberry. Well, yeah, we use that for hosting the show, but I don't know that anyone listens to podcasts on Blueberry. Yeah. Player FM. <laughs> okay. Nope. <laughs> and Tune In. Nope. So if anyone randomly happens to be an avid user of any of those platforms, there you go. But 
Uh, I guess so. You're saying that Stitcher is on Android. I'm not. I'm an iPhone guy, so I don't know much. Well, about I actually, I have always been an iPhone guy too, and I always used Stitcher on iPhone before the Apple Podcasts app got better. Oh, yeah, I think you were saying that. Yeah, Stitcher was okay. yeah because you could stream using Stitcher, and so anyway, yeah. If you're whatever people on iPhone might be using Stitcher as well, although I don't know why you mm-hmm. would because the native podcast app is pretty good, but. Um, Whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, please uh, rate and review us. Subscribe, rate, review. It uh, it really helps us a lot. By the way, we got a comment on our YouTube channel. We did. Yeah, that's nice. It's under yeah, this is this is episode one twenty three. Uh huh. And someone said, "We'll we'll quote it since it's our first comment." Oh sh! Well, I can't find it now. <laughs> Um, it was a nice comment. They just said it was the funniest episode that we'd ever done, apparently. So. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. That's that. Um, so let's dive in, huh? I guess. Yeah. Holy cow. Let's do it. <laughs> this is a interesting email. Looks like it was written to you. Um, is this the one from Wes that I, I put Hello, at the top? Wes. Yeah, yeah. Why is this? Well, so we're also now hearing from, uh, I just got an email follow up from Avery. So, anyways, so Wes and Avery both sent in this email from Florida Coastal School of Law that arrived yesterday. No, today. It arrived this morning. Oh, I got it. So they both got this email from. So the subject is three days to go. Plan, don't cram. I could just imagine. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Okay. So, hello, Wes, slash hello, Avery. Are you ready for the LSAT this weekend? We know that getting ready for the LSAT can be nerve-wracking, so we want to give you a few tips for your last few days of LSAT preparation. Uh... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The LSAT, of course, is 10 days from now, not three days from now. And... uh, so this is another the jumping the gun emails are the funniest thing that ever happened. Yeah, what is up with that? I don't. Know. I mean, this is like a five second Google search. People I are even excited. do that. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine like planning a whole blog post and a whole email blast and everything of like, okay, we're gonna send this out. It's gonna be titled three days to go." <laughs> <laughs> when do we send it? Well, and you got to go on with that title. Plan, don't cram. I know that's someone didn't annoying. plan, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah. Three days to go. Plan, don't cram. That's the subject. Yeah. Um, we might as well. So anyway, the, the, um, we could mock these, uh, some of these recommendations because the recommendations are pretty silly, but the, um, they also then sent out a follow up, uh, just now came out that says, Hello, Avery slash West. As I'm sure you're aware, the LSAT is next weekend, February 10th, not February 3rd. We were excited to provide you with the information and sent it too early. We apologize if we caused you any additional anxiety and again, wish you the best of luck on the LSAT <laughs> from Florida Coastal School of Law. Um, here, are you ready for these tips? Yeah. Yeah. They're, apparently they're from someone. They are. Some Peter. There's some. Yeah. It's, well, I guess we could go ahead and say the name. Huh? Why not? It's Peter Gormanly Esquire of Focus Approach LLC. Whatever that is. Is that like a test prep? I don't know. I'm I'm looking at it right now. No, it's a lost wait, it's a the focus approach law review slash oh. LSAT program. Oh, Sounds so like it is LSAT program and law review. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey Ben, do you ever put Esquire? Oh, all the time. That's how I introduce myself. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. Um. Oh boy. Okay, please, people, if you're practicing law and you need to put Esquire, put Esquire. I don't think you need to put Esquire ever. I really don't. I don't think you, it's like just because you're entitled to doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like, you're entitled to look like a douche. Would you like to? Yes, I would. Okay. That's Any- like when you meet people like at the doctor's office and they're like, please call me Dr. So-and-so. You're like, okay, doctor. Um, <laughs> like I'm Ben, you're Joe. Let's just talk about the situation. <laughs> I call all doctors doc. I love referring doc. to doc. Yeah. I just, I will say thanks doc. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll be happy to know, Ben, I went in and got a physical this week and all systems are nominal. Everything's good. Wait, <laughs> you're supposed to say go uh, nominal. I think nominal means, uh, no, no problems. I think, that's yeah, what, okay. I think that's what they say in, uh, I don't know. What is that? Like air force talk or something? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. The, the general sense or feeling I had when you said that was like, things are neutral. You're, 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 you're surviving. Well, that's probably the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not dead yet. So I'm not dead you're and not I'm like, not imminently dying. That's what I meant. And you're not an athlete. That's like, right. Oh, I yeah. absolutely not. I'm an athlete. Okay. Um, so here's the tips. Ready? Sure. How should I use my final three days before the exam? First, establish a routine. Mornings at 9 a.m. sharp. Sit for the most recent actual LSAT you have. Add a fifth section from a different exam and use it as a substitute for the experimental section. How do you like that tip, Ben, in the last three days before the exam? <laughs> Take an entire test. <laughs> at 9 a.m. sharp, dude. Wait, so wait. that also means you have to like quit your job or quit school because <laughs> this is they want you doing this Wednesday. Wait a second. They want a routine for the final three days before the exam. They want a routine of 9 a.m. sharp, a full test on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before the exam. It says mornings. This is crazy. Mornings at 9 a.m. sharp. What if you start at 9.05? How many people are going to be sweating bullets? The other thing is that the test itself isn't really going to start until like 9.30, 10 sometimes, depending on how crazy the test center is. The other thing is, don't do a fucking full test in the the two days before the test. You are not doing a full test. No, three full tests. (laughs) Jesus Christ, that's a turd. That's the worst. That's a... a Okay. Wait, but Nathan, hold on, man. This came from Peter Esquire. I know he is an esquire. It's true. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should not mock. Should him. rethink what we're talking about here. Oh, God. Okay, that is a terrible tip, people. Do not do a full test on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before you sit for the test on Saturday. You know, this is the te- this is the tip I would give if I wanted people to freak out and fuck up completely. This is that's that would be my first tip if I wanted them to totally tank it. Yeah, this is so weird. It's like. All these emails that come from these law schools or whatever, they give the exact opposite advice. Remember that one that said, keep your pencil moving? <laughs> that was my yeah. favorite. <laughs> yeah. So here's, here's the thing then. So 
<clears throat> sit for the most recent actual LSAT you have, add a fifth section, got to make sure you do that so that you use it as a substitute for the experimental section. So you're, you're going to do a five-section practice test three days uh, in a row Oh my gosh. in the final three days before the test. Then you're going to lunch, relax, decompress. Decompress. <laughs> then in the afternoon, yeah, because you just stressed yourself out, so now you have to decompress. Then You have to decompress after reading this email. I know. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> then in the afternoon, you have to review your exam results, try to understand what you got wrong, and adjust your exam plan accordingly. <laughs> exam plan. I do not know what that's supposed to mean. Dinner, relax, decompress. Then, evening, continue your review. Do nothing under timed conditions. Be sure to get some rest, as the closer you get to Saturday, the more challenging it likely will be for you to fall asleep, especially if you follow this plan. Especially if you mention that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Definitely don't worry about insomnia, whatever you do. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah, so, seriously, how, who can do this schedule? Who who doesn't work? Who who has the time to just sit around all the time and do this? It's crazy. Even if you did have nothing else going on, this would be a really dumb plan. I mean, this is the plan for three months before the exam, and even then, doing a test three days in a row would be dumb. What? Oh yeah. Well, the whole thing. I, I'm I'm forgiving Peter because he's an esquire. Uh, for his LSAT stupidity. I just don't understand like common sense, common knowledge. I guess he must work with a lot of people who don't have jobs or something, maybe. I don't get it. <laughs> I feel like everyone in my class has a job, pretty much. Yeah. Or and, is in school. Well, so maybe he's also advocating that people take the week off before the LSAT so that you can cram. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's another good one. Why good does one. this subject say plan, don't cram, and then the advice is absolutely <laughs> cramming? <laughs> You can't make this stuff up. Dude, if we sat down to write a bad email, it would, it would only be half as bad as this. You know, when I got the first email from Wes, I thought that I was like, man, this seems too good to be true. Is Wes trolling us? Like, is he yeah. trying to see if we'll read a fake thing on the on 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 the show? And then yeah. we get the but then Avery sent it in, too. So we got it's it's I mean, unless they're both trolling us, in which case, good job, guys. Well played. But. Um, it's the same person. They have two accounts. Yeah, totally. Anyway, you got us. Good one. But no, I mean, I, this looks pretty. I, I also am totally willing to believe this type of stupidity out there. So it's called plan, don't cram. And then the plan is cramming. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's see these test day advice. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to rename the uh, the title here. It's plan to cram. Plan to cram. Yeah, plan cram. Plan, plan colon cram. <laughs> All right. Test day. Plan to arrive at the test center at least 30 minutes early. If you're traveling by car, be sure it is ready to go. No stopping for gas along the way. Check your car. No stopping for gas, Ben. You can't stop for gas on the way to the on the way to the test center. If you're 30 minutes early, you could stop for gas and go buy some snacks and then stop for <laughs> gas again. If you want to warm up, ooh. Oh, look at that comma. I know. I know. It says warm up in quotation marks and then the comma outside the quotation marks. That is not very Esquire-like. No, we're going to have to revoke this guy's Esquire. So, totally. I'm actually just going to delete it right yeah. here. If you want to warm up, 
sit for one section of an LSAT you have at home and take it in 35 minutes. Is that after you've already arrived at the test center? Or is that is that just the No, it's those... after you checked to make sure your car is ready to go. Oh, okay. The tips are, <laughs> the tips are confusingly a little bit out of order, but they want you sitting doing a 35 minute section before the test? No, that's a bad idea. Let's see here. Let's take a six section test and turn it into a seven section test. Yeah. Let's just make our day a little bit longer because it's not long enough already. Uh Okay, then they give the, they provide the link to the day of test, uh, what you can bring and what you can't bring. All right, that's yep. that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, you you definitely <laughs> should review the the LSAC restrictions uh, before you plan to leave for your test. Although I hate to to butt in here, but really it's not helpful because not- this day of this day of test link is awful. Right, this is the one where it's like super long and convoluted uh-huh. and so no one actually ever reads it you just kind of scan it and go oh okay there's a lot of stuff i need to keep in mind here and then you just don't well i mean the important stuff is no electronics at all including your phone no electronics you need your id you need your admission ticket yeah and you need a pencil and by no electronics we mean no phone no fitbit no iWatch, no anything. Uh, people are really befuddled by that, I think. Yeah, even how an can, analog watch that has a tiny LCD digital display in it, that's not going to work. Any yeah. digital anything, nothing. Yeah. Um, remember to guess, it says. There's no penalty for guessing. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's a good um, overall LSAT strategy that you should learn on the first day of LSAT. Or in the last three days or ten days. <laughs> if it's not your day or you find you are not prepared, you have six days to cancel your score. Okay. Canceling your score is like just really never a good idea unless you have some sort of like medical emergency during the test. Yeah. Last one. Above all, be confident! Exclamation point. <laughs> and that confidence will be be- built by our method. <laughs> God damn it. Um, this came from Tony in the, uh, admission office. Tony didn't write the tips. The tips came from the Esquire guy, but, um, this is a terrible email (laughs) and it was sent out a week earlier to just provide extra stress for people. Oh my goodness. Thanks everybody for sending that in. You know, we love mocking things, so we appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, want to move on? Sure. Hi guys. I just listened to your podcast on accommodations for the LSAT. Excellent podcast. I was diagnosed with ADD in 2016. I suffered with ADD for years, never knowing I had it. I took the LSAT in the past, scoring 141 and 131, respectively. Hmm. I attribute those low scores to the fact I took the exams while suffering from this cognitive disorder. I am registered for the February LSAT and requested accommodation for the exam. However, I was denied an accommodation because I missed the deadline. Hmm. I'm having like red flags all over the place right now. Yeah, this is is interesting. We get lots of emails that look like this. I I do. I get get lots of emails that look like this. Just, it's just like excuse. It's like poor scores, excuses, missed deadlines, things like that all the time, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, this because of that. This because of that. 
Like, excuse, excuse, excuse. Okay. All right. So, and I, I just like always calmly kind of like, okay, what can I do to help? How do I help? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Ben. No, no, I agree. Um, my question is, should I not take the exam in February, register for the June exam while requesting an accommodation within the allowable request period in order to give me the best chance to do well on the exam? My goal is to score 155 to 160 or higher if possible to get in the schools I want. I, re- I appreciate your response at your convenience. Yeah, definitely don't take it in February. I don't see why you would do any better than you did before. <clears throat> I wonder whether the whole law school thing makes sense. I mean, once you get the accommodation, well, you can take a you can take a timed test right now. You could take, give yourself fifty three minutes, for example. That's time and a half, and see how well you do. But uh, it sounds like this correspondent is going to have to do a lot of work to bring. The yeah, score up. it's like. Sometimes it's like easier for students to just blame their poor performance on lack of accommodations, you know, and so, right. What are your practice? So Juan doesn't say anything about his practice test scores. Yeah. And if he, yeah, if he took a practice test and gave himself 53 minutes per section, then he'd have some idea where he's at, but Mm -hmm. it's like, he needs to, people need to realize that plenty of people with, without ADD score 141 or even 131. Yeah. You know, so it's, it doesn't have to be the ADD that's holding you back. It can be all sorts of other things. Um, you didn't prep enough. Your English isn't good enough. Um, there's all, all sorts of, you know, like it's not, it's not just a given that you should automatically score 160 if you, didn't have ADD. Um, anyway, I'm also concerned about the fact that his score went down. Uh, 141 and then a 131. Yeah. That just makes the numbers seem even more, uh, less meaningful. I guess I don't care about the order as much as I care about the two data points that are down. I mean, it's just like he, my hypothesis is that he's a 136 plus or minus five. And sure. a 136 plus or minus five has a long way to go. A long way to go. Like if you don't make a 20 to 25 point improvement, I don't think you should go to law school. Yeah. And, um, the, the extra time will certainly help. I mean, it should certainly help, but I, I don't know. I'd like to see how, see how he does on those sections. And, yeah, and, you know, just, it, like I just hate hearing this. I <laughs> denied an accommodation because I missed the deadline. There, there's a deadline. You mm-hmm. have to apply before the deadline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apply again before the deadline this time and do it. Just do it. Yeah. All right, Juan. Thanks for writing in. Glad you liked the show. Wish we could help. Um, but you gotta, you gotta get on it. You got to plan ahead. You got to plan. Don't cram. Uh, Next one. Yeah. Hello. Here's the big update. Oh, this is from Wicked. We've, we've talked about Wicked a million times. Um, here's the big update. I'm proud to say that because of my fall grades, I've now upgraded from a 3.81 
GPA to go with my 179 LSAT to a 3.84 GPA to go with my 179 LSAT. She doesn't say all that. I say to go with my, anyway, 3.84, 179 from a 3.81, 179. She says, it feels like a big difference to me, but I'm not sure if it really is. I had to submit an updated transcript through LSAC and notified all the schools about the change via email. My one worry is that this will delay the school's decision-making. Perhaps it is in part why I haven't heard much from schools since my last update. Um, since I last wrote in, I received admission to UCLA and University of Chicago. I got waitlisted at UPenn, which I'm really bummed about. Still waiting to get decisions from Columbia, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and UVA. I'm a little terrified because I found not one but two typos in one of the optional essays I submitted to University of Michigan. I've already been accepted there and just interviewed for a full-ride scholarship. I wouldn't be surprised if my typos lead, in part, to me not getting the scholarship. However, I hope listeners will hear this and relax a little. If you find a typo, or two, in hindsight, and it's too late to update your application components, it's not the end of the world. You can still get admitted and potentially get money. Until next time, Wicked. Do you think they would reread her essay when they're trying to decide whether to give her a scholarship? Absolutely not. It's going to come down to the numbers at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, but this is, I love this email because it's, this is what a lawyer looks like. Yeah. You know, like the 3.81 to 3.84, and that is like a huge, a huge difference to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it actually is a big difference, but the fact that you feel like it's a big difference is a very lawyerly thing. Yeah. And the fact that you're beating yourself up about these two typos is also a very lawyerly thing. Yeah. I don't think you need to worry about it that much. I think the rest of your stuff is going to be tight enough that a couple little things here and there is not going to kill you, especially mm-hmm. not with your 3.8, whatever, and your 179. Yeah. Um, we've said it before about Wicked, but I mean, we got to think she's getting in basically everywhere and she's going to get shit tons of scholarships, right? Yeah. Furthermore, Wicked... You can only take one of these offers. <laughs> you, you don't get to get a full ride to every school. <laughs> I mean, you can get offered a full ride to every school, but you can't accept a full ride to every school. So if, if something goes wrong and you don't get admitted to one of these schools, well, that's fine. You needed to eliminate some schools from, from your uh, consideration anyway. They'll be doing you a favor. Yeah, it's, it's fine. You're, you're going to have tons of good options here. And you don't need to have all of the options. You're going to still have tons and tons of the good options. So congratulations. I can't wait to see where you finally uh, land and uh, write in anytime. We do like hearing the updates. Yeah. Our Initially, I think the plan was that I, I was going to like, I offered to help her with her negotiations or something, mm-hmm. but she's not going to need any help with her negotiations with these numbers and all these offers. She's already basically already won. Yeah. Next one. Yeah. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Thank you so much for answering my question. I have a few updates if you're interested. Uh, I think this is the student who is writing about their friend getting a half scholarship to some low-ranked school right at the end of the application cycle. Okay. Uh, I agree 100% that my friend got ripped off, and so did she. Um 
She spent one semester at Albany Law. Now she's pursuing a master's in some form of poli-sci or government at St. John's, which lets her commute from home. With with her low LSAT score, she realized she would have a tough time passing the New York bar and decided that a JD wouldn't advance the career she wants in government, at least not for right now. Okay? Yeah. A half a scholarship is still half a tuition that you have to pay. So watch out for that. Yeah, a half scholarship is a 50% discount on an outrageously expensive project uh, product. Yeah. And it, half price is basically full price these days, right? I mean, the tuitions have doubled, tripled, quadrupled in the past 10 or 20 years. And they give scholarships to everybody. And so, you know, when we have schools that... 80 or 90% of the school is getting some sort of scholarship help. Mm-hmm. If they gave you a 50% scholarship, that probably puts you like right in the middle of the class. Mm-hmm. In other words, everybody's getting a 50% scholarship. In other words, nobody's getting a 50% scholarship. <laughs> All they did was they jacked up the price. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just be careful you should really, the analysis just needs to be, how much is it going to cost me? Oh, well, yeah. we're, but we're, we're so happy to give you this $20,000 scholarship. Yeah. How much is it going to cost me? You can always raise, they can always raise the tuition and then give more scholarship to make people feel more right excited. But right. yeah. So point number two, she goes yes. on, as for me, I ended up scoring a 157 on the December LSAT. Not as good as I wanted, but better than a 152. I'm still planning on taking the February LSAT. Okay. Which is in three days, apparently. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a lot better by the way. Yeah. A lot better. Improving from a 152 to a 157. It, it doesn't maybe sound like that much, but boy, those are a big five points. Well, especially when you look at the bell curve, you've just gone from one side of the bell curve to the other. So you've passed a lot of students. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, that's, <clears throat> you have moved yourself past thousands of students when you move from a 152 to a 157. Yeah. So good job. Three, I applied to the schools for fall 2018 admissions. I know not what you recommended, but I asked every school for an admissions waiver and all but one school sent me one. Okay, that's great that you got the admissions waiver, but that's not the that's not the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is the scholarship, right? So Yeah. The, right. Some. The problem is you might get in. That's the problem. You might get in and they're going to just, there's no way they're going to offer you the kind of deal that they might offer you if you had applied early. So the fee waivers are great. I mean, you did still have to pay your $30 LSAC fee for every one of those schools that you applied to. Mm-hmm. So it did cost you money, but, but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the, the giant ripoff that is around the corner when they admit you and they know you're applying at the last minute. So they charge you full price. Yeah. Or they give you some shitty $10,000 scholarship when they might have given you a full ride if you would have applied early. Yeah. So when you apply late, you just have to make sure you have the mental fortitude to turn down all the shitty offers that you're guaranteed to get. Yep. Um, my plan four. My plan is to wait to see what kind of scholarship packages these schools offer me. Okay. I don't want to pay for law school, as you recommended. If I don't get enough scholarship money, then I will gracefully decline and reapply early next cycle. Great. Sounds like she might stick to the plan. 
Yeah. It's just that I, <laughs> you put yourself in a dangerous situation where you might be tempted not to stick to that plan. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll be shocked when she writes back in and says she got a full ride. I just don't hear of that happening when people apply this late in the cycle. Yeah. Well, I guess she applied with a December score, huh? So this email's a little... She, okay, so she applied in January. That's okay. She applied in the middle of the cycle. She could still get a good deal. I was thinking she was applying with a February score. But yeah. she's not. She already applied with her December score, and she's taking it again in February. So here's your question. Star, star, star. How do you recommend declining for financial concerns? Mm. How do you recommend addressing the reapplication next cycle? Star, star, star. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's too hard. I would just say I was hoping to get more of a scholarship, but I look forward to applying next year. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fine. I, I, don't, I, I don't think you need to be like cagey about <clears throat> the money part of it. Eventually, you have to talk about money, and there's no like really smooth way to do it, <laughs> right? Anytime yeah. you're doing any kind of a deal, ultimately you're going to have to talk about the the numbers. Yeah, and I I think you can be just fairly straightforward about it. Hey, I'm I'm paying for law school myself. I'm very concerned about the debt. I'm trying to minimize debt at all costs. I'm going to reapply next cycle and hope I can get more money. Yeah. And you know, they can take that or leave it, but they know you're walking away. So the second you start walking away, you might find that the offers improve. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, keep us posted, I guess. Yeah. Number five, I'm an eager beaver. I'm an eager beaver to start a career in law, but if I have to wait a year, it will be worth it in the long term. No joke. Thank you for your guidance, and I will be sure to keep you posted. I've been accepted to one school so far, a third tier super safety. They sent me an email, and snail mail is on its way with the details of my acceptance. Best regards, Sarah. Okay. It's like people get excited about that. You know, like, She's been accepted to a third tier super safety. Yeah. And I, I get it. I guess that she's excited, but it's like for when you look at it from our perspective, we just see, I mean, it, it's like, no shit. You got accepted. Yeah. Basically what they're saying is, yes, you have an opportunity to buy our product. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what they're saying, right? I'd love to send emails like that out to people. Yes. You have the opportunity to sign up for my class. You've been accepted. Have you ever had any like minimum standards for your classes, Ben? I'm thinking about doing it. You know, I've thought about that as well. The challenge that I've run into is like people <laughs> that those minimum standards are probably intended to keep out are the kind of people who are going to kind of ignore them and maybe <sighs> not necessarily follow them. Like, yeah, I took a test untimed and got the score you're looking for, therefore I'm good to join your class. Whereas people who actually probably should join the class because they're diligent and studious and whatnot might actually be turned off by that, not realizing that they're, they're fine. They can join the class. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't thought a whole lot about it, but it, I wasn't sure exactly how to implement it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's something I think about a lot. Um, <clears throat> but I've never, I've never pulled the trigger for much the same reasons. I, I agree. The people who, <laughs> the people who it's meant to, to, well, the people who I really want to benefit by it are the people who are scoring a little bit higher. And then we can have the class at a higher level. Yeah. If, it, it, you know, and, and I, I also want the policy to benefit people who just shouldn't be on this path at all to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, you, you should be, you should be pretty quickly scoring in the one forties at a minimum. Yeah. Right. I don't worry about people who score in the one forties on the first day of class. Yeah. Or the first week or two, if you're in the one forties, I, I, I like, I've seen enough people make a leap from the one forties into the one fifties and then sometimes even into the one sixties, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those people I don't worry about, but the people who are just languishing in the high one twenties, low one thirties, that's, that's just, that's tough. Yeah. That's really tough. It's, well, it's hard for them to engage in the class too because I think they feel self-conscious sometimes, and yeah. it's hard to talk to their neighbor to get help because they feel like they're getting help on easier questions. So it's yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, so I have thought about having like a a practice test score that's like a minimum to enroll in the class, mm-hmm. or a like you know asterisk or by instructor's permission or something like that, like to, to just make people think twice sometimes before diving in with like a really, when they're like really low. Yeah. I don't know. I guess then a lot of people just have done no prep and have no clue and they just want to show up and do it mm-hmm. for the first time. So in that case, having a score to be admitted in the class wouldn't make any sense. I guess I could administer the test on uh, the sc- the test on the first day of class and then like give people a refund. Hmm. If they were lower, yeah, that might work. I don't know. Anyway, something to think about. I'm sure the listeners yeah. are fascinated. <laughs> Maybe they have ideas. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, listeners, if you have ideas how to raise the level of discourse in the class, please let me know. Um, are we on to the next one? I think so. Okay, that was Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Hello, new one. Hello, and thank you for reading this. I've started listening to your podcast from number one this January, and I'm making my way through. I'm currently on episode 38. I do have a question that I would like some feedback on, if possible. I have offenses in my past that I'm concerned with. Ooh, I will list them below. I'm looking to go to law school fall 2019, and I'm currently working full time. I graduated with my BA December 2017. Thank you for any feedback. Please call me Jasmine if this is read on air. Okay, Jasmine. All I've wanted to do is become a lawyer someday. Uh, okay. However, there are stupid mistakes I've made in the past that scare me into thinking I won't be able to fulfill my dreams. I have a criminal record. This email is to ask for advice on whether or not I need to report certain things on my law school applications and if these things will not allow for me to sit for the bar. Please be as open and honest as possible, as this is a very serious matter for me. And what we have here are four criminal charges. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. Um, maybe we should just read all these to get the overall view of it and then sure. uh, comment. So, sure. 
2013, jostling. Well, hold on a second. Ben, did you know jostling was a thing? I didn't know that this was a criminal offense. I did not either, but I don't know anything about the law. I mean, it sounds like pushing or something like that. Yeah, jostling. She yeah. jostled someone. I didn't know if that was actually a, a charge. Yeah. Anyway, it sounds like it, though, doesn't it? Sounds yeah, like why, why use this term otherwise? Yeah. yeah, jostling. Long story short, I pushed a girl my freshman year in college because she pushed me first, and we both got in trouble. Taken off my record with H-Y-T-A. Do you know what H-Y-T-A is? No. I, I don't do either. I would imagine it's a youth something or other. Dude, can we we gotta stop? And talk we gotta about Google it. H Y T A. No, no, we gotta stop and just talk about this this uh, this oh. description of Jocelyn. That because uh, is just the fucking worst. By the way, like I pushed a girl because she pushed me first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this sounds exactly like like fights that I have to break up at home, right? So you have the older kid fighting with the younger kid and it's like what happened it's like so and so did this and so i responded i'm like that cannot be the first thing that happened you know yeah i'm right. sure some girl just came up to her and was like boom you know there was there's more going on there so it's just funny but yeah anyways. this girl pushed you right that just out of the blue just came up out of nowhere and pushed you you guys yeah. weren't jawing at each other for any reason there wasn't any way that it could have been diffused before this happened. No, just you, she pushed you and you, so then, and then also you didn't have any choice. You had to push her back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, okay. It's taken off of the record with HYTA, whatever that is. So I Googled some, that and yeah. it's Holmes Youthful Trainee Act. So it's some law, some statutes. It's a way for young adults to keep criminal convictions off their public record. The eligibility is twofold, age and offense. Okay. <sighs> um, twenty fourteen, credit card fraud. I was very stupid, and I constantly regret this. I took and used my roommate's credit card to buy food, about fifty dollars, without her permission, and got in trouble for it. Of course, taken off my record with HYTA. Hmm, that's showing some remorse. You know, um. Saying that you constantly regret this seems like it would be draining. I mean, it's 2018, and this was in 2014. Some things you just got to forgive yourself for and move on. Do some therapy, for sure. Yeah. Um, 2016, embezzlement. Another stupid thing I did. I was a cashier at a grocery store, and I knowingly allowed and helped someone leave the store without paying for groceries for their family. About $200. This was dismissed through a deferred sentencing. Hmm. I mean, so we have pushing, you know, whatever. Then we have taking your roommate's credit card. That's just a stupid thing. Um, then we have stealing from your employer by letting people take groceries when you're the cashier, which is stupid none of these are like huge they're all just stupid and the pattern of them does not look good yeah 2017 we have disorderly conduct 
This wasn't pertaining to me specifically, but I was literally in the middle of it. A 17-year-old thug harassed and threatened my 72-year-old grandpa. I was trying to figure out what was going on, and the thug, many of my family members, and his family were, were all charged because of all the commotion. Once the prosecutor saw the cell phone footage and evidence that I had, they saw that I had nothing to do with it, so this was dismissed without prejudice. So wait... So, which she'd rather it was dismissed with prejudice, right? <laughs> because dismissed without prejudice means that they could bring it again. That's all that means. <laughs> like it, they just decided not to, not to charge really, or ultimately that's what happened. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she, she, it sounds like she thinks that the dismissed without prejudice is good for her, but it's not. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, I don't know. I just, um, I guess. So these are things that she was charged with, but then that sounds like, yeah, she actually got charged, but then the prosecutor decided to, to get it dismissed or to let it be dismissed. Do you have to list things that you were charged, but not convicted for? That doesn't seem right. I have no fucking idea, dude. I have no idea. I mean, in theory, you could be charged for anything. If you weren't convicted, what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the application says, have you ever been charged with a crime or if it's, have you ever been convicted? No, I think they ask you if you've ever been arrested. And oh, so she was right. probably arrested for all of these. Yeah. Um, I really want to go to law school and be better than what I've been. I try so hard to keep a straight and narrow path, but things happen. I'm doing well and haven't been in trouble lately. Will these things affect me from getting accepted into law school and taking the bar? Thank you, Jasmine. I, they They don't seem serious enough to necessarily prevent anyone from going from passing the bar or taking the bar and becoming an attorney but i wonder how many schools would want to accept someone with this history i don't know i mean the 2017 the that's just last year the disorderly conduct was just last year yeah the embezzlement was just the year before that yeah i i have a couple pieces of advice yeah one call the bar if you're, if you're not sure, you have to call your state bar. Sure. You have to talk to your state bar. You have to say, hey, listen, I'm thinking about going to law school, but based on all this stuff in my past, I just want to make sure that I will be able to be admitted to the bar with these things. Well, you know, What do I do? How do I disclose these to law schools? What's going on? What do I do here? Yeah. And see what they say. I mean, if any of these are like a complete no-go, you want to find out as soon as possible and the the thinking else that podcast is not the place i mean thank you for reaching out to us but we do not know your your state bar is they're going to make the call so you have to call them yeah um the second thing i would say about all this is basically get your shit together i mean i don't know i don't know what's going on you got some family issues you got you, you gotta you gotta get you got to get on the right track here and you can keep talking about how you, you know, all you've ever wanted to do is be a lawyer. That's easy to say, you know, (laughs) but the history of criminal issues um, does not demonstrate a someone who is on the path toward being a lawyer. And so you got to get on that path and you know, it sounds just like probably got some shit going on with your family. 
you, that, that should be solved. You probably got some bad influences in your life that should be dealt with. You might want to remove yourself from this situation and like go move to a different place or something. I don't know. Get out of whatever is causing all of this shit to happen. Sure. Because if you don't sort yourself out, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be behaving like this in law school. Like you're going <laughs> to hanging out with these same people and having the same types of craziness going on with while you're in law school. I mean, it just sounds like a recipe for failing out of law school is what this sounds like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, good luck, best of luck, call the bar and, uh, get your shit together. Would you have anything to add to that, Ben? Nope. I think that's good advice. Um, maybe time is just on your side here, right? Take time to get ready for the LSAT to go get a good job that gives you experience because since your last event was in 2017, not applying until 2019 could be helpful. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that all of this stuff will mellow and fade the longer you stay out of trouble. But, yeah. you know, if you keep getting arrested for things, um, getting charged with things, uh, yeah, it's only going to get worse from here. So you can ask the bar what's up, but I mean, you got to get yourself a really good LSAT score and you, but before, before you even start working on all that, you need to find out, you know, whether you're going to be admitted to the bar. I mean, if there's anything, I sounds pretty forthcoming. I guess there's probably not anything else hidden in here. Don't know. But when you do talk to the bar, you want to go ahead and just tell them everything. Yeah. You don't want to find out after law school that you're not allowed to sit for the bar exam. Yeah. You want to find out in advance and be sure. I mean, you, cause you're going to want to also disclose all this stuff to your law school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't find out about it later. You have to tell them and, and just have to like beg for forgiveness from the law school and from the bar. Yeah. I think. And don't try to sound like you're making excuses, even if there are excuses to be made. Well, uh, yeah, which this does sound like, yeah, I mean, uh, so and and there's actually a few things in here that I would remove um, in all four of these points, actually. Yeah. So I pushed a girl my freshman year because she pushed me first. No, <laughs> you were involved in a pushing altercation with another girl in your school. Yeah. I don't give a shit who started it. That's not that is not material. You were pushing and it makes you sound worse. It just makes you sound way worse when you say, because she pushed me first. It makes you, it makes you sound like you don't recognize that you were at fault. It is your fault. It's not her fault. It's your fault. You're the one that wants to be a lawyer. (laughs) She's not the one who wants to be a lawyer. The interesting thing here is the credit card fraud one is the one that sounds the best. And it's the one where she takes the most responsibility. Right. It was stupid. And I constantly regret it. But even with that, yeah, the, well, there is one part there that I would remove. Yeah. yeah. What? The two by food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like you're like, well, I, I was, I was only you're trying food to justify it. it in this yep. like underhanded way. I don't care if you were buying food or shoes or what. I don't, I don't care. Take that yeah. out. You took your roommate's credit card and made purchases without her permission. I think the $50 could be good because you know, what was the extent of your fraud, right? Did you spend a thousand dollars of your roommate's credit card, or did you spend fifty? Yeah, that's fine. I think you can take off the two by food part because it seems like you're you're trying to make it look better than it is. It's yeah. it's stealing. You stole from your roommate. Uh, you know, you stole fifty dollars. Yeah, I don't think your roommate cares what you got with it. 
2016, the embezzlement again, um, she says allowed yes. someone to take, to, to leave without paying for groceries for their family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I, I don't care. I don't care who yeah. it was. For. I don't care what it was. I don't care who it was for. I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But you're not helping yourself by like throwing in that subtle, like, Oh, it was for food. Oh, it was for groceries for their family, you know? Cause that well, just makes it to, sound like you do it again. Well, the other thing is you also have to wonder if it's true, right? You're like, really? It sounds like, like a lie. Yeah. That's yeah. True. You, you were so concerned about this family and their financial situation that you decided to help them out. Like, again, it's justifying Yeah. when you should no. just be taking responsibility. Yeah. You're, <laughs> lawyers are like in a million different ways, they end up standing up for their clients interests and taking responsibility for their clients money and lives. And you, you had, you, you were in a position of authority for your employer when they put you on the, on the register. Yep. You, you took that responsibility and you immediately stole from your employer. That's, that is, that's stealing. You, you allowed and helped someone take $200 from the place where you were entrusted with, you know, the keys to the register. Yeah. That's very serious. That's very, very serious. I mean, that one, I can see that one actually, I mean, I know it sounds the best or no, that one doesn't sound the best. The credit card fraud sounds the best because she says she regrets it. Yeah. That embezzlement I'm really worried about. I mean, lawyers have opportunities to steal from their clients all the time. Yep. And the the fact that you stole from your employer is a huge problem. Uh, the disorderly conduct and whatever the the pushing shoving stuff I don't really care about as much as the uh, fraud and embezzlement. Yeah. Good luck, Jasmine. Thank you very much for writing in. We're glad you're listening to the podcast. We're glad. Uh, Glad you're finding it helpful and uh, you're going to definitely need to call the bar and try to sort these issues out. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, if, if she gets an answer, write us back in and and let us know what the bar said about all these things. Yeah. Um, This one, this next one is from a former student of mine, Peter says, Hey guys, I'm still listening to the podcast and enjoying every day. Uh, You have, generously fielded so many of my questions by now, I think five of them, that I bet you you remember me. Yeah, Peter, the uh, musician. Right. Ben, thanks again for your personal statement feedback. I received a specific compliment on it from an admissions person at UVA. I reworked it a lot based on your input. Well, thanks for the... Nice, Ben. Thanks for the... Thanks. Um, but it sounds like you did all the work, <laughs> Peter, yeah. which is the way it should be. Podcast submission below. Wait, what? Oh. Yeah, because here comes the questions down here. Oh, okay, got it. Okay. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Just some quick questions if you have time. Totally aware that you guys are backlogged and might not get to me, but since it is a non-wall of text <laughs> with decent grammar, I'll hold out hope that you bump me to the top. Yeah, we bump people to the top for a fee, actually, Um, (laughs) about me. I'm 173.45, early 30s with a PhD in the humanities, accepted at UVA, stoked about it, no scholarship info, though, doesn't look good at Penn and Harvard and have have several back 
up offers from schools like Boston College, GW, George Mason, two-thirds-ish scholarship at them could probably negotiate them higher down the home stretch. Wait, why Why is Peter saying that it doesn't look good at Penn and Harvard? They just haven't responded? That's not necessarily a bad thing. That could be good. Yeah, maybe because he hasn't been scheduled for an interview and he's heard other people getting interviews. Yeah. That was what I was speculating. Hmm. I like to speculate about things. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's what this show is all about. <laughs> yeah. Since I don't really want to go to BC, my decision is probably going to be between a near full ride at GW and paying sticker at UVA. Wait, have you asked UVA for money? Yeah. <laughs> Should definitely start there, I think. Yeah. And then make the trade-off. But UVA, GW and UVA are both great schools, honestly. I mean, yeah, UVA's got more of a national reach than GW, but GW still got a pretty good reach. And you might be uh, higher in the class at GW. So if you can get more money from GW or near full ride, mm, I don't know. That seems pretty tempting. I'm, I would a little, ask for, uh, I'm, I'm a little upset with Peter, got to be honest. Go for it. Well, Peter knows, since Peter's a long-time listener of the podcast, Peter knows that we, it's very simple. We have a, we have a presumption. Yeah. We have a rebuttable presumption. The presumption is don't pay for law school. Peter makes no case here for rebutting the presumption. Right? No case. Literally no case at all. Peter makes no case for, for rebutting that presumption and paying the sticker price at UVA. Yeah. And without any case, Peter, you lose summary judgment. You lose. We don't even, there is no trial, Peter. You just lose because you didn't even make a case. Yeah. The presumption is not rebutted. Don't pay for law school. Yeah. That's the answer. Next. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, ye loyal listener, Peter. But I mean, for real though, like that is, that's, that's our opinion is well, let's hear your case for why you think UVA is worth paying money. I mean, why would you even be considering it if you're not, you gotta, I guess he's assuming that, you know, we're going to assume that there's a case. I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not assuming ever. I mean, let's hear your case for it. Why do you think it's worth it? You really got to dig into the details here because UVA does have a more, a greater national reach. But that's only going to matter depending on what you want to do once you graduate and where you want to live. UVA's out in the country. GW's right in the city. Um, yeah. It's like, what do you want to do with it? What is UVA going to get you? What would it? What would you be buying for your fifty thousand dollars a year that you'll pay there instead of your potentially free that you'll pay, you know, zero dollars at GW? why what do you think you're getting and don't tell me the rankings yeah <laughs> tell me what you want to do and tell me how uva is going to help you get there that's well, the how you rebut is, the presumption that's what this is also assuming that uva is going to be full price right peter needs to ask them if they're willing to cough up some money and then yeah and then you only have to justify a half scholarship or whatever it is that they give you yeah, it's only January. You got long, you know, boy, there's a long way to go on these negotiations. 
Yeah. They love to make you think the clock is ticking, right? They, they love to start getting deposits and all that type of shit from you. Yeah. But the clock, you, you, time's on your side here. You can, you got, you got time still here. So ask both schools for more money. And then if, if it, if it is starting to look like you're going to have a decision between George Mason for free or UVA for full price, then what are you buying for your $150,000? Yeah. Don't know. I think the answer is going to be different for different people. It depends on how you're going to rebut that presumption. All right. One more. Yeah, we do one more. Okay. Dear Ben and Nathan, I'm taking the February LSAT and I'm feeling confident for LR and RC. I've been consistently getting minus three or better on these sections for the past couple weeks. When I first started studying, logic games seemed like the most intuitive section to me. Every now and then I would come across a game that threw me for a loop, but I usually breezed through with a minus one or a minus two. On my last three practice tests, however, LG has brought my score down, culminating with practice test 65, on which I got a combined minus six on LR and RC, but minus eight on games. My missed questions have been the result of missed inferences, incorrect diagramming, getting stuck and wasting time on questions, and even stuff as simple as misreading questions. All issues I largely avoided earlier in my study process. My goal is 170, so I really want to get back to where I was on games. Have you guys had students with similar issues before? And if so, how did they overcome them? What would you guys recommend I do in my final week or two of prep? Thanks. Lame on games. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, P.S. Shout out to Matt Kim, who recommended this podcast to me. What do you think? What do you think? I think it's all it's it's the the incorrect diagramming and misreading questions is the place where I would start because those undermine your confidence. You know, you you just people always ask me like, how do I recover from that? Like, I, I misread a rule or I misread a question or I diagrammed something backward. What do I do when I do that? And my response is, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You just can't do it. You just can't make those kinds of mistakes in the first place. It's safety first. It's like you're asking me, like, well, what do I do after I drove my motorcycle off of the cliff? <laughs> how do I how do I get back up onto the road? Like, fast. how do I get back on the road? That's my question. Wait, quickly so, too, like, because time is ticking. Yeah, the clock's ticking, and um, I'm tumbling down the canyon. How do I how do I get back up to the road though? It's t yeah, and so it's it's um you have to go with a safety first approach on the logic games, and that's probably why you did good naturally when you first started, because you were yeah. less comfortable and you weren't even trying to go fast; you were just trying to figure them out. Mm -hmm. And you took one piece at a time, and you thoroughly understood it. And once you thoroughly understand each piece, then you can start making connections between those pieces, and then the inferences come out of nowhere, and then you don't take forever on the mm -hmm. questions because you're not making silly mistakes and you are making inferences, but the, yeah, you just can't don't worry about the inferences so much as worrying about the silly mistakes. You're making silly mistakes and you, those are just, you're just dead. The second you misread a rule, you're screwed. So if to get back to where you were on the games, I think you need to slow down. It's, it just sounds to me like you're aiming for perfection 
you're trying, you're going too fast. You make a silly mistake and then that costs you all kinds of time and energy and confidence. Yeah. Slow down, read the rules twice, play with the game a little bit before you go into the questions after you've set up your diagram. Like people really don't like that idea. You know, you set up the diagram and you just kind of mentally play around with the rules a little bit with the variables, move them in different slots. What if this went there? What if that went there? You don't have to do it for very long, but it gets your mind wrapped around the rules in the game. And a lot of times you might see things and then end up creating worlds. And now you've just conquered a game that most people are struggling with. Yeah. And none of this is, is possible if you make silly mistakes. Yeah. And none of this is possible if you just rush into the questions and then get stuck and waste time there while you're yeah. over the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Safety first. I always like to say, you know, that motorcycle it is plenty fast. It's plenty fast even if you're not trying to go fast. Yep. And you'll you'll get there, but you got to get there safely. And you can't do that when you uh miss a curve and go off the side of the road. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going on here. Yeah. Those mistakes are just way too costly. Yeah. So slow down, focus on the accuracy. I think you'll bounce back. I mean, this is it also seems like this is going to be very easy to fix. Because mm-hmm. Lame is, um, you know, obviously a good reader, naturally good at the games, because that was the most intuitive section at the beginning of his prep. So I, I think you're going to be fine, but you, you got to take some deep breaths and you just got to slow it way down. Yeah. Okay. Should we uh, leave it there? We should leave it there. Um, yeah. We'll catch you later. <laughs> We've only received one email so far, <laughs> which we didn't get to quite yet today, but yeah. we got one email so far that um, t- tried to defend H- Halotop. Halotop? Halotop? Halotop, I- I yeah. yeah. That shit's disgusting. I, I, the, there's Maybe it's not disgusting, but it's um, the de- I did not find the defense of it compelling in the slightest. We'll get, we'll get around to it. Um, but it also gave us... Uh, it also gave us some suggestions for the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, I liked one of the suggestions and I'll get to that right now. Um, they, the reader requested that we restate the number of the episode at the end of the show. Oh yeah. That was, that was good advice. Okay. Yeah. So, so what is this? This is episode like five or something. <laughs> Close. It is episode 125. Ah, yeah. 125. I can believe that. That's crazy. And you know, last time we, we cleared out the uh, emails, and that was exciting. And then this week was um, a deluge. I mean, seriously, we have, we just yeah, got through. We have 12 pages back on our thing. Yeah. But we made it through a bunch today, so we're, we're good. We're good. Um, where are we? Are we going to start deleting these? Are you already deleted them? No. Okay. I did not. Uh, email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at ThinkingLSAT. You can follow me on Twitter at NFox. Uh, you can follow Ben, even though he never tweets, at Strategy Prep. You can visit our websites, FoxLSAT.com and StrategyPrep.com, to learn more about our products and services. I did just announce, uh, I, I just posted classes for sale in both LA and San Francisco for the spring. So if you're interested in studying live with me in either of those two beautiful cities, uh, registration is open on my site right now. Hey, I wanted to say that I don't tweet in silent protest of our president. 
Ah, nice, nice. Yeah. So well, that's that's what's going on there. It's actually a very deliberate act that is taking place every moment of every day. The silence is deafening, and it's amazing <laughs> because yeah, you're doing it right now. You're doing it right now. Yeah, that's great. I'm persistent. Okay, um, I'm still going with my nice knowing you, Ben. It's been nice knowing you. Likewise, Nathan. All right, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>